Jamie Staple shares the gospel with Muslim women, and she knows many who have come to faith in Christ. One of those women was able to demonstrate her faith and her peace in a very dramatic way. Here Jamie tells the story. She said, my, my father was holding the knife to my throat and said, I'm going to kill you. And she looked at him and said, okay, I know that if you do that, I'm going to spend eternity with Christ. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. Today on VOM Radio, we are going to be talking with Jamie Staples. Jamie is the director of women's training for the Crescent Project, which is an outstanding organization training American Christians and other Christians to reach out to Muslims. So we're going to be talking about that today, and I'll give you some ways to connect with them. Jamie, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Tell me a little bit about your background and kind of how God brought you to be doing this, helping American Christians reach out to Muslims. It wasn't even that long ago. It was probably six or seven years ago. My husband and I embarked on our mission journey to East Africa. And I remember sitting in our orientation and being handed a book about how to reach Muslims. And I remember taking that book back to my house and putting it on a shelf thinking, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not doing that. In my mind, there were two things. That was for frontline, hardcore missionaries. The really brave ones. That's right. That's right. And, and also, I'm not going to lie to you, after September 11th, I had some really hard feelings and things that I would never be proud to share <laughs> with anyone. And so for me, that just wasn't an option. And, and I thought that because of the area that we were going to be in, that I would never encounter Muslims anyway. And so it, it didn't really occur to me. So it was only about three weeks after being in East Africa when uh, you could just, you know, in hindsight, hear the Lord smile like, oh, Jamie, <laughs> you think you know. <laughs> but he started introducing me to some people that were working with Muslims in that area. And it really all started because a, a girlfriend of mine was working in a clinic in the east side of town with Somali refugees. And the first thing that happened in my life, and this is probably paramount for the whole journey, was just identifying with Muslim women, just seeing how much we had in common. She paints her nails, I paint my nails. She worries about her kids, I worry about my kids. You know, things like that. And so I think even at that critical moment, the Lord was just kind of breaking down the stereotypes that I had in my mind, the misconceptions that I had in my mind, even at that time. And in a clinic environment, there was also a pretty deep compassion component, seeing things that truly broke my heart about the context that Muslim women um, live in. But the, the crux of the whole journey really happened at a, a massive roundabout in the downtown metropolis area where we were living. I remember driving in my car and completely unaware of what was about to take place. But I should probably preface by saying I'm not a fearful individual. Fear is not something that usually really, really grips me. But when it does, it's profound and, it, and, it's, and it's very, very deep in my heart. And so as I'm driving down this, this major metropolis, I'm thinking to myself of all the security training that I'd had. My eyes are bolting everywhere. And I see a Muslim woman on the far side of the road, and she's completely covered. All I can see is her eyes. 
And as I watch her cross the street, I notice that her eyes are doing the same thing as mine. She's scanning frantically. And I'm thinking to myself, what is this about, you know? And as she gets to the corner of my car, all I can tell you is like the Lord just pushed pause on my life. And I looked directly into her eyes and she looked directly into mine. And it's like the Lord just superimposed this profound fear from her heart to mine. And, um, and that was very, very powerful for me because, as I said, I don't deal with fear on a regular basis. But at that moment, the Lord said to me, she lives there. And then, you know, he pushed play and everything just keeps going. And I really honestly wanted to hop out of my car and just grab this woman and just, you know, hug her. But, of course, that would probably contribute to her fear issues. But it was just a profound moment for me, for the Lord to show me that Muslim women live without peace. And that absence of peace is something that I've never encountered in my life. I've taken peace for granted. And and to feel that sense of fear of never knowing if you're good enough, never knowing if you have the creator's love, never knowing if you have your family's full support and love, no matter your choice, always being afraid. I can't comprehend living in that worldview. And so that was truly the pivotal moment when the Lord was like, this is it. And you never talked to this lady. Never talked. Don't to her. know her name, but God used her to grab your heart for Muslim women. Wow. So then how did you come from that ministry in East Africa and encountering Muslims literally every day, coming back to America and saying, okay, now I want to help American Christians kind of have that same experience, that that pivotal moment where God grabs a hold of our hearts and says, listen, these are people. These are people I love. These are people my son died for. I want you to reach out to them. How did you come back here and get started doing that? That's a great question because I honestly didn't see it coming. We came back to the United States with the intent of going back overseas. Like I said, I don't really have a fear button so much. So living in Libya or living in Saudi Arabia doesn't strike me as impossible. And so we were prepared to do that, uh, my husband and I. But we got back to the States and, and I after a matter of about six months, I met Fouad Masri from Crescent Project, and we always joke that Fouad has a plan for your life. And so um, <laughs> he loves you, and he, he has a wonderful plan that's for right. your life. So he began just to pour into my life and disciple me. And one of the things that uh, that came out of that was one: I'm only one person, and so even if I do travel internationally, I'm still one person, and and I can reach, you know, one at a time, so to speak. And the other thing that became apparent to me here in the States was, my goodness, the Lord has opened the door to bring these countries that we can't easily reach, as you well know, bringing them right here to our doorstep. And what's catastrophic about that is that the church is completely on its heels with that. So the Lord just really started to work in my heart about, you know, Jamie, I gave you this experience of, of seeing Muslim women and understanding and, and building this compassion. I really want you to build that compassion in other women. Help them to see what I showed you. So I, I came to Crescent Project with that kind of attitude of let's make more. More Jamies. More, <laughs> well, preferably <laughs> a super version, <laughs> a better version. But, but yeah, more people that can see Muslim women as image bearers of the king and to see Jesus Christ as the only peace that they're looking for and, and to be bold about sharing that peace. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Jamie Staples. She's the director of women's training for Crescent Project. Jamie, you talked about reaching out to Muslim women. How is that 
different or, or what are the different challenges of that as opposed to reaching out to a Muslim man? It's not just about Muslim women. It's also about Christian women. There's a, there's a uniqueness on the Muslim side of the conversation in that Muslim women have this worldview about themselves that stems from the Quran and, and their other holy texts and their culture. And they have this belief about themselves. And, and they also have in many contexts, not all, but in many contexts, they have things that have been uh, done to them that really just distorts their belief of who God is and, and who they are in his sight. And that's unique to women because of their position in Islam. And so for us, the Without Borders conferences really are trying to help Christian women understand the difference between Muslim women and Muslim men, their context, their uh, worldview uh, about themselves. But at the same time, women, no matter what faith and country you come from, women are deeply, deeply relational. And in both sides, the Islamic worldview and the Christian worldview, we often have a ton of impact on our families. And so we feel it's really strategic to employ Christian women to reach Muslim women because we know that on both sides, they're going to spread that message to their families and to their friends and to their network. And that is absolutely what has been happening. We have seen Christian women take this message to their church and their church begin you know, a ministry or something of that nature. And certainly we always see darling Muslim women who see the Lord for the first time and run home to their kids or run home to their moms or their sisters or even call back to their original home context and say, you're never going to believe what I just learned. And that's very, very common. So we just feel like women are a very strategic opportunity for us to spread the gospel throughout the world. Let's talk a little bit more specifically about some of those worldview issues that a Muslim woman brings to the conversation, what are some of those barriers or, or what are those some of those things that you really want to communicate to her heart that will will meet her where she's at in terms of her worldview and how she views herself and how she views God and eternity and earning God's favor and all of those things? It does boil down to something quite simple, and that is when not only your faith but your culture consistently sends you the message that you are half of the value of a man. We all know when you receive a message for an extended period of time, you begin to believe that wholeheartedly. And, and even in this case, you'll often find Muslim women who not only believe it, but they promote it themselves. They tell their daughters, they tell their granddaughters, you're not worthy. You're not as much. I wish you'd been a boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, all the time. And so when you grow up with that, you just come to believe that. And so so one of the, the most difficult aspects, but most beautiful aspect of sharing Christ with a Muslim woman is that when she hears for the first time that the Good Shepherd is, is calling her name, that he knows her name, and that in Isaiah it says he, he holds her close to his chest, when you see him whisper into her ear and her, and her hear that message for the first time, it's powerful because it's breaking through a, a lifetime of lies that have been fed to her. And she's seeing for the first time that God actually adores her. And, and it's, just, it's just amazing, but it is incredibly difficult. It takes so much time to undo the lies in her heart. And yet at the same time, it's intoxicating for her. As soon as you show love to a Muslim woman, and I don't mean like, you know, buy her a car. I'm saying when you're kind— when you smile at her in the grocery store, it, it, it shakes her. It rattles her because it's not something that she's 
accustomed, when you even notice her and spend time with her, it's not something that she's accustomed to. And so it's really easy to just show her the love of Christ in very simple ways. And I think that's one of the messages we want our listeners to take out of this conversation. It is not rocket science. It is You don't have to have a PhD in apologetics and have memorized the Quran and the New Testament. You have to say hello in a grocery store. The barrier is low. <laughs> right. You just have to reach out. You just have to be intentional about that. It's so hard for us to understand, but this is one of the things that the Lord showed me after that, that roundabout experience in East Africa was, okay, but God, I don't know all the theology. I don't know anything about Islam. I don't know. And so I started to talk to women who had left Islam and had come to Christ, and I would always ask them, what was it? What was it that made you first open your mind to listen to the words of Jesus? And they always, without fail, always said, it was just that those people were so loving, just so loving. And I couldn't, I couldn't grasp that it was that easy. And yet finally succumbed to that and said, you know, I may not have all the theological answers, but I can be loving. That's no problem. And so I just began to build my ministry at that point. I'm just going to love and then we'll see, you know, where God takes that. And he was always faithful to use that love to open the door. And then when I need the words, he gives me the Bible and I can say, look, I don't have the answer right away, but let me let me go with you to the scripture and I can help you find that. And so the love just opens every door. It really is just that easy. And again, that is such a message that we want our listeners to get. Say hello. Invite out for coffee. Invite out for tea. Hey, bring your kids over and let's have our kids play together while we chat. None of this is rocket science. None of this is impossible. It's something that that all of us can be involved in. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Jamie Staples. She's the director of women's training for Crescent Project. Jamie, share some of the stories of those women who have come to Christ. And I, particularly, I'm interested in Muslims here in America because our listeners, most of them are here in America. They're wondering, okay, how does this work? What 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 do I do? Share some stories of, of people who have made that, sort of crossed that divide and had that aha moment where their eyes open and they hear the voice of Jesus. Yeah, I'm very sorry that you don't all get to have my job because I get to hear these stories on almost a weekly basis, which tells you something about tells what you God a, is doing. a lot about what God is doing. That's this, right. This is not like a once-in-a-lifetime experience. This is like God is really at work among Muslims. And again, we talk about it all the time, what he's doing in the Middle East. This is in America. This is in your town, in your neighborhood. Share some of those stories. In every story that I hear, there are two themes, and those two themes are the power of God's Word and the impact of an authentic Christian witness. And so let me just share with you the story that's most recent, this one I heard most recently from a dear friend of mine who was born in Afghanistan, but she came here as a refugee with her family when she was five years old, so for all practical purposes, raised in the United States, but held very tightly to her Muslim faith. And uh, in fact, she's a researcher and a, and a student by nature and decided at the end of her collegiate career that she was going to go and get her doctorate in, in uh, England. And her whole purpose, she wanted to take the Quran and show all of us that we had been so mistaken that actually Allah loves women and that actually women have value. And so she went to England to go to school. And of course, as she began her study, realized that was not the case. And she began to, in her papers and in her discussions with professors, began to say, I'm sorry, it seems we have a problem here. 
<laughs> I'm looking for love uh, for women and I'm not finding it. And of course, they immediately rejected that and they expelled her. So she came back to the United States and feeling very downcast because now everything that she had thought she believed in her faith was, was shaking. And what's amazing is that about that time, she began having regular dreams. And in these dreams, Jesus would come to her in these dreams and in various scenarios. And of course, for a Muslim, that's not a big deal because Jesus is very respected. But she did think it was a little ironic that it was Jesus coming to her and not Muhammad. And so she just kind of put them aside. That's weird. But they kept coming over and coming over and coming over again and again. And finally, not that long ago, just a couple of years ago, she had an illness that put her in the hospital to the point where she was paralyzed. And to her, this was the the bottom of her experience. And she sat in that hospital room and said, you know, Allah, I have served you my entire life. I have pursued you my entire life. And here I am in this hospital room and I don't feel you. I don't have any words of comfort. I don't have any words of peace at this time. Where are you? Where have you been my whole life? And she cried out at that point and probably the most authentic prayer of her life. And a woman who was teaching her mother English came to visit her in the hospital and asked her if she would be interested in reading the Bible. And of course, she said, what, what do I have to lose at this point? And so this woman began to read the word with her. And she told me, Jamie, I can tell you that as soon as those words came out of her mouth, there was something that came over me. It was just this amazing peace began to come over me. And I, and I just, my need to hear these words was insatiable at that point. Wow. Insatiable. Insatiable. <laughs> and just this craving to hear more about it. And she said, you know, as I started to get more and more into the Bible and start to read more, she said, as I started to learn who Jesus was, it suddenly reminded me of all these dreams that I had had. And she said, it suddenly occurred to me one day, Jesus was telling me at that moment, even back when you didn't believe who I was, I was with you. And I was pursuing you. And I was pursuing you. And, and for her, that was the crux of her experience, that God was with her even when she thought he wasn't. And it wasn't Allah. It was Jesus. And he was there with her. And she said that was life-changing. And so she became a, a believer in uh, about February of this year. And I met her at a Without Borders conference a couple of months later. And, uh, and now she's studying, and I have the honor and privilege of discipling her. It's the joy of my life. And this is something I, else I would like to say to your listeners, that in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and, and I lay down my life for my sheep. And he says, I have sheep from another pen, and I must bring them in. And so Jesus sees Muslim women as sheep, just like he sees me as sheep. But the burden, it sounds, is on him. I must bring them in. So why in the world are we included in this great commission? And I can tell you from personal experience and tons of conversations I've had with so many Christian women, the reason that God includes us is because it is life-changing for me to read the scripture with somebody for the first time, especially Muslim women who are looking at this as, as completely new and refreshing. Man, it just restores my faith, refreshes my faith, and I think God was brilliant in that plan because he doesn't need me, but he gives me this honor of walking through scripture with her and seeing him anew through her eyes. It's amazing. 
you share the story of this friend who's come to Christ. What are the roadblocks? And I'm thinking especially now, as someone who is from an Afghan family or someone who is from a Saudi family, they come to Jesus Christ here in America. What happens to them? That's that's part of the problem. Uh, and we think that that when when we make a decision to follow Christ, it's hard and and there are some some roadblocks. But for a Muslim woman, she will lose everything, even here in the United States. Muslims who come to faith in America are not immune to persecution. They they don't get to say, well, hey, I'm in America. It's the land of the free. I can do whatever I want. And I was with a woman in June who uh, had come to faith just recently. I was standing with her when her brother called her on her cell phone and let her know that, that the family had issued a fatwa, which is a judgment on her that basically means that they're pursuing to kill her. And that's here in the United States. And how that will take place or how they'll do that uh, is, is any man's guess. And, and that's part of the fear, honestly, because you don't know. But it's a reality. And, and certainly here in the United States, certainly uh, abroad, the cost is immense. And even in the context where your life may not be in danger, even in the circumstance where a family says, we're going to forego our cultural and religious obligation to kill you, and we're just going to excommunicate you, we, I don't think, can appreciate the impact for this, this man or woman who has come to faith in Christ, because their family is absolutely everything in their life. And, and that separation and that excommunication is so profound. It's very lonely because now you've left and your entire community has, has dissolved. And, and where do you go after that? There's a call there for the American church. <laughs> That's right. It's very lonely. Hey, we have community. We can welcome people in. Right. The same love that will draw her in will be the same love that encourages her to grow in her faith. And I often tell people, and I've, and I've heard other people, I can't take credit for this, but it's beautiful. You, you disciple him or her before they ever become a believer, because that's the, the community that they will then rely on. The, the body of Christ and the family of Christ is something that we probably take for granted, but for them, it will be the lifeline for them. And so it's paramount to give that love and acceptance and community, especially after they come to faith and lose you know, everything. So the lady who came to faith received the call from her brother. What was her response? What did she do? Honestly, she was a puddle on the floor. I mean, I, I just sat on the floor and, and cried with her. And, um, you know, she's communicated with me since that time and, and has just said, you know, I, I can't let fear rule me. And at the same time, you know, the beauty of, of knowing Christ is knowing that even if I die, it's gain, right? I get to spend eternity with Jesus. And and actually, at that same, that same conference that I was at, another woman said the exact same thing. She said, my, my father was holding the knife to my throat and said, I'm going to kill you. And she looked at him and said, okay, I know wow. that if you do that, I'm going to spend eternity with Christ. And he dropped the knife and wept with her because that's so foreign. That peace and that confidence in eternity with God is so foreign to them uh, that it's a powerful testimony. And so... I'd love to tell you that I would have that kind of boldness, you know, shaking in my boots at that moment with a knife to my throat. But these new believers have a, a, a profound courage. Well, and it's interesting to me that her thought wasn't, should I compromise? Should I, you know, maybe there's some middle ground. Maybe we can work something out. It was, well, I just lost my family Yeah. because I'm surely not going to let go of Jesus. Well, they've counted the cost before they made the decision. So they know before they ever accept Christ, they know it's a reality. They know persecution is a given. 
And so they count that cost before they ever make the decision to follow Christ. So after that, the decision's already made. The decision's already They've made. already set their heart. Yeah. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Jamie Staples. She's the director of women's training for Crescent Project, the roadblock of, of family and persecution. We've talked a little bit about the community and how we, uh, how we can step in and help that. What do you do to help American Christians reach out to these Muslim, both women and men, and share the gospel with them? Yeah, the... the strategy of Crescent Project is to inspire and equip and serve the church for the glory of God to reach Muslims with the gospel. So we hold very tightly to the idea that that not only do we need to inspire, and we do that in a way of informing. So so the experience that I had over a, a period of months of, of learning to see Muslims as image bearers of God, we try and do that same thing through the resources that we offer, through training events and seminars and, and books and things of that nature. So that's a, that's a pivotal part because you need to first change your worldview on, on who Muslims really are and, and stop assuming that everyone is a terrorist. In fact, that's a minority, as you know. And so we just need to let go of that. And that's a process. And, and frankly, Voice of the Martyrs is a, is a huge part of that process, learning to see the value of the individual. And then the next step is really to equip because, I mean, the reality is, you know, like me, I may have a newfound compassion and a newfound understanding, but I don't have any idea what I'm going to encounter when I start a faith conversation with a Muslim. And so we like to have opportunities for, for folks to come to a training, let's say, or to to use the Bridges study and say, what are the common questions that I might be asked? Uh, how do I answer those questions? When a Muslim tells me that the Bible has been corrupted, oh, I don't want to freak out. I just want to, I want to have a really solid answer, you know, for that. And a lot of times, here's the thing, Todd, we know the answers. It's just a matter of being able to bring those answers to the forefront at the time that we need them. And so sometimes conversational fluency, as we say, is is really helpful, just being able to bring those pieces of information you know, to light at the right time. So, uh, And then ultimately, our passion is to help plug people in. If you don't already have access to the Muslim community, either in your area or if you're planning to go overseas and just need a little extra support, we love to to work with other partner organizations to to help mobilize folks, whether it's reaching refugees right in your area or, or taking a short-term trip or something of that nature. That's the beauty of what we do. It's not just about training. I, I heard one person say one time, training is not ministry. Training is preparing for ministry. So, so if we sit in seminars and we read lots of books, but we never use it, it's for naught, right? It, it's nothing if we don't have the mobilization component. I want to encourage our listeners. There is a, a DVD curriculum that Crescent Project created and sends out called Bridges. You mentioned it. This is awesome. I'm going to endorse it. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to let Jamie say how good it is. I'm going to tell you, it is awesome. It is such a great way to get started down this pathway. And like she says, it provides some basic answers to questions and just equips you to be able to reach out. And then it gives you some advice about where you can go to meet Muslims, a Middle Eastern restaurant in your community. You could become a regular there, have lunch there once a week, get to know the owner, get to know some of the other customers. Again, none of this is rocket science. None of this requires a PhD. It just requires intentionality and it requires a little bit of heart, a little bit of information. The Bridges DVD curriculum is awesome. And I'll tell you what, if you take out the word Muslim from the curriculum and just say unbeliever, it's still amazing. It's amazing evangelism training. So I strongly encourage people, go to crescentproject.org, 
click on the Bridges link and order that DVD curriculum. Totally worth your money, totally worth your time. Use it with your Sunday school class. Take it to your church. Take it to your pastor. It's good stuff. It is really powerful material. I encourage you to access and watch those DVDs. Our guest today has been Jamie Staples from The Crescent Project. She teaches American women how to effectively share their faith with Muslim women. One way The Crescent Project does that is by hosting the Without Borders Conference. You heard Jamie talk about this training earlier in the program. And if you've been listening and thinking, you know, I could do that. I could talk with Muslim women about Jesus. Would you ask the Lord if he'd have you take another step and attend that conference? It's coming to Marietta, California, December 2 through 4. It's also going to be next February in Austin, Texas. And as a Voice of the Martyrs podcast listeners, you get a special discount. For more details, visit crescentproject.org, crescentproject.org. And when you register, use the discount code VOMRADIO. So crescentproject.org. When you register for the Without Borders Conference, use that promo code VOMRADIO. Jamie's going to be back to talk with us more next week to give us insights on how to speak with Muslims who are refugees. This is a huge issue right now in our country, in the election process. So you'll want to be back with us next week to hear more right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.